Hello, boxing fans around the world. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fight featuring Christian Giles from the Friday Night Panel. And our subject, as usual, at this time of day is the Olympics coming up in July, albeit without spectators, I believe. So what have you found out for us, Christian, today? Well, that is the big announcement coming out of Tokyo at the moment. Today's story comes to us directly from uh, from the Times of Japan. And it's not that there's not going to be necessarily spectators. It's that the government has decided to exclude overseas spectators from attending this summer's Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic Games. Now, this is as part of an effort to prevent the spread of the novel coronavirus. Um, now, officials with knowledge of the matter were saying this on Tuesday, it's just yesterday. Uh, the government and the Japanese organizing committee of the Summer Games are expected to hold a remote meeting with the International Olympic Committee, uh, as well as the two other bodies possibly next week to make formal decision on the issue of overseas visitors at all, let alone spectators. So the government has concluded that welcoming fans from abroad is not going to be possible given concerns among the Japanese public over the coronavirus and the fact that more contagious variants of the coronavirus have been detected in many countries. Um, now, this was according to officials who spoke only on the condition of anonymity at the time. Uh, well, the chief cabinet secretary, uh, Katsunobu Kato, said on Wednesday, a decision on spectators is up to the IOC, the Tokyo Metropolitan Government, and the Games Organizing Committee. He said that the Olympic minister, Tameo Marukawa, uh, in a meeting of representatives from each, stressed the need to carefully consider whether to let in foreign spectators, citing uncertainty about the coronavirus, uh, including its variants. So Japan continues to halt the entry of new foreign nationals in principle, as it's taking more time than initially expected for the government to stem the number of infections, which did peak at more than 2,500 per day in the Tokyo, in Tokyo, uh, in, that was back in early January. So with the decision, the government will also have to review its growth strategy, given that expectations for inbound visitors to revive the Japanese economy were relatively high. And this was before the games were delayed uh, over a year due to the outbreak of the virus. On the 3rd of March, representatives of the five organizing bodies, which also include the International Paralympic Committee and the Tokyo uh, Metropolitan Government, agreed to make a decision on overseas spectators by the end of the month. They will then make a call in April on the number of spectators to be allowed into venues at all, based on uh, Japanese restrictions on attendance at large events and whatever those happen to be doing closer to the time of the event. Uh, well, the one-year postponement of the games has now caused the cost of these games to balloon to at least 1.64 trillion yen, or that's about... 14 or added that that comes up to a gram about 14 billion 731 million 201 thousand 600 us dollars as always according to our super accurate talk and fight maths um the organizing committee had been expecting to uh recoup about 90 billion yen or 828 million 600 thousand 90 dollars approximately in ticket sales the committee now, unfortunately, needs to proceed with the refunding of foreign ticket holder for foreign ticket holders, and is expected to separately consider what to do with foreign spectators to be invited by corporate sponsors to the game, because that's being handled a little bit differently. 
The IOC has requested that Japan accept foreign spectators from sponsor companies. Uh, sources familiar with the situation said. So a government source has signaled that Tokyo is prepared to accept this request. So we're going to have to wait and hear a little bit more about that later on. The organizing committee has not publicly disclosed the total number of tickets that is yet to be sold, uh, but some officials have said it's likely to be over 9 million before the games, uh, sorry, how many tickets had been sold to this point, I should say. Uh, and it's likely thought that it should be around 9 million were sold before the games were rescheduled a year ago. Now, while about uh, a million of those tickets uh, were for overseas spectators uh, expected to enter Japan, some 4.5 million tickets have already been sold in the country, of which about 810,000 requests for refunds have already been made so far. So in December, a government-led panel task force coming, uh, led panel, sorry, task, let me try this in English. <laughs> In December, a government-led panel tasked with coming up with a COVID-19 measure for the Olympic Games said in an interim report that overseas spectators could use public transport and be exempt from a 14-day quarantine requirement if they came from countries with relatively few virus cases. However, the Japanese organizer, after having studied several options uh, in peril, such as holding the games behind closed doors and staging them with a limited number of spectators just from Japan. Uh, quote, we were quoted, I uh, got the quote here, we would really like people from around the world to come to a full stadium, but unless we're prepared to accept them and the medical situation in Japan is perfect, it will be a cause, it will cause a great deal of trouble also to the visitors from overseas. This is from Seiko Hashimoto, president of the Japanese committee, uh, organizing committee, and this is what he was telling reporters just last week. Hashimoto has sought to finalize whether to let visitors from abroad watch the games live in the stands at each venue before the domestic leg of the, uh, sorry, I'm getting all muddled here and I'm tripping over names again and I apologize for that. Hashimoto has sought to finalize whether to let visitors from abroad watch the games live in the stands at each venue before the domestic leg of the Olympic torch relay begins on the 25th of March. So this is a bit of a weird one for us, Graham. Obviously a big announcement. So, you know, nobody's getting to go overseas and watch this. So, you know, if you've booked your, if you've booked your passport, uh, you know, your visas and everything for Tokyo, I think you're about to save yourself some money. Hopefully you got the trip insurance on this one as we're not going to be able to watch these games if you're a foreign national. With the obvious exception here seems to be that if, you know, let's say, uh, you know, a big Olympic sponsor is RBC here in Canada. So if RBC invited you to go to the games as part of their contingent as a corporate sponsor of the games, you would still be allowed to go in and watch as a, as a foreign national. So this is what I'm a little unclear about at this point in time is who's going to be included in these, you know, these VIPs and foreign nationals that are with a corporate sponsor and how are the, you know, the rich and powerful of the world going to find a way to flout these rules. I'm kind of curious. Uh, I'm sure someone's doing the math on this one. Uh, a million people paying a hundred bucks is a hundred million re revenue. But mm -hmm. if, a hundred million people around the world are watching and they pay one dollar to view it online that's the same uh, revenue equation so and i know they attract a billion eyeballs from their tv broadcasts alone but i'm just wondering if this in this new day and age given streaming media is as powerful as it is whether or not they could make some of their money back uh 
by charging a ticket, if you will, a membership fee, if you will, uh, to view it online. If you're I that think the issue that, well, I think the issue that you run into at this point in time is the revenues and the agreements that are already in place for yep. advertisers who are already. Uh, and again, we've covered this a few times. You know, the the American Olympic Committee, the U.S. Olympic Committee, brings in like I think it was something like they were averaging six hundred and eighty-five million dollars annually in revenues. Uh, that was just from domestic uh, television broadcast rights. So, to say to all these TV networks and to all these uh, all these agreements that are already in place. Uh, you know, ads have already been developed. I'm sure, you know, these guys, people are already filming all the ads that you're going to be seeing at these Tokyo Olympics. They, they were filmed a year ago or they've been refilmed over the last six months. So people are already investing in not just the games themselves, but in the, in the, you know, infinite number of offshoot revenue streams that these, that these games produce, be it, you know, from, you know, team merchandise from national Olympic committees they're selling in their home countries, uh, from, you know, commercial revenues from from advertising. As any number of, of, of different things that are going on, there were, it would have been obviously, you know, travel deals coming in and out of Japan, hotel deals, things to incentivize uh, the Japanese economy that we would have seen as well in a number of different ways that just aren't happening now. So even if though you're obviously right, if you could do, a fairly inexpensive streaming service, you know, to get whatever on demand, you can watch whatever particular event you want to watch live uh, for a relatively low rate. I think it would sell were it not for those uh, existing agreements because they would just, you know, they would lose everything. They would just have lawsuit after lawsuit and injunction after injunction that would stop them from doing it until all of the current uh, agreements were, were done and were said and done with. Yeah, it's a tough call. Well, at the end of the day, it just comes down to money, like everything else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before this announcement came out today, we were going to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in South Asia and their boxing community. Uh, and I thought something that we just didn't have time for today. So we're going to talk, we're going to put a pin in that and talk about it a little bit tomorrow. Uh, but, and well, assuming that the games don't fall on their face between now and tomorrow, of course <laughs> that is. Because we always try to stay current. We, we, we do like to stay current as well as bringing human interest stories from the world of amateur boxing. But, uh, yeah, this, this, this is um, – nobody's going to be surprised by this one, but it all comes down to, like, what's going on in Asia. We were going to talk about what we talked about a little bit yesterday. It's happening in Africa. It all comes down to dollars and cents. As much as amateur sport is not supposed to be about the money – and as we sure know the athletes aren't making it. That doesn't mean that nobody's getting rich here. As other Olympic organizers and events have proven, uh, you can lose tons of money and they will still carry on these Olympics like this. So I'm sure the Japanese have factored into their business plan zero revenue. And that is going to be the case uh, with respect to spectators, I'm sure. Well, I mean, you, you heard what the uh, 1.64 trillion yen uh, is what the cost has now gone to once we factor in uh, rescheduling, uh, when we take into account uh, the diversification of venues that they've now had to do because they can't because uh, they can't have everyone piled in to keep reusing the same venue for everything. So they've had to add more venues to uh, the games just to keep everyone socially distant. Um, again, not to mention the agreements that were already in place for things like advertisers for, you know, somebody's out there making all those Olympic condoms. 
that we talked about before. These are things that are already bought and paid for and now are having to be warehoused and shelved. And so there's just, they're hemorrhaging money. I think prior to this one, I think the biggest, uh, as far as losing money goes, I think the biggest was actually here in uh, in Canada was Montreal in 76 was yes. uh, as far as a gaffe goes when it comes to losing money on, on a game. Because normally when you bring the world into your city, they spend money when they get there. They like to eat in the restaurants. They like to go to the bars. They spend money on tickets. They spend money on uh, concessions. They spend money on souvenirs. It's a huge boost to the economy. Uh, what was it, 90 billion uh, in yen? They were hoping to, uh, Japanese yen was the estimated ticket sales were going to be before the before this announcement. And again, that's just the ticket sales. That's not souvenirs. That's not uh, concession sales. That's not just the general shot in the arm for the Japanese economy that they were really hoping for on this one. True enough. I think it was the uh, LA Olympics in 84. I think they were the first Olympics to actually make money and plan for it, brag about it. Mm -hmm and through, through corporate sponsorships. So I can imagine how big these corporate sponsorship deals are these days uh, from around the world and the contingents uh, that they have to bring along as part of the uh, package. Well, I think I, I think right, 76 in Montreal was a big lesson for, for LA. They were watching that because <laughs> by that point, they would have already been selected for uh, you know, yeah. it's eight years in advance. They would have already been selected as a host city at that point, and they would have watched Montreal get their pants pulled down basically. Uh, and so how does how do we not let this happen to us? And then they basically wrote the you know, they, yeah, they, they created the model for what a lot of cities have been doing. Most cities have done since that point in time. And since then, almost every city that's hosted the Olympics, I, to my knowledge, has uh, made money or broken even. It's not usually a losing prospect. Yep. Yep. And, and a funny sidebar for viewership out there. The Olympic Stadium in Montreal uh, was never, ever finished. And it cost some astronomical a billion dollar stadium and they still didn't finish it on time and never did finish it. Well, they'd already lost all the money. What was the point at that point? Right. <laughs> what was the, what, what, what would the reasoning have been at that point in time? And, and I think, uh, they converted it into a football stadium and attracted something like it was, it's, it was to hold 80,000 people. But they could only attract like twenty thousand people to a football game. But for it's an crazy. Alouettes game, yeah, it's a very sad story. Very sad. Well, story. I mean, the CFL generally, at least not in eastern, you know, in the eastern half of the country. Once you go out west, you know, they, they do love their CFL teams out there. But I think even in Saskatchewan or uh, or BC, you you would have a hard time filling those uh, filling the, that many seats. Yeah, I know we sure don't in Toronto, and I know they're not in Montreal these days. Yeah, I think if you talk to anyone in Montreal, uh, they'll tell you that they probably make more money these days uh, selling tourists a pass to have a tour of the Olympic Stadium and all the various uh, displays they have, uh, as opposed to uh, actually renting the facility out. I mean, I think the only thing they make money on at Olympic Stadium are big, huge rock concerts. Oh, and all those big concerts that are going on right now, too, eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> could possibly go wrong all right christian so uh thanks very much for the update on the olympics and uh tomorrow you'll have an update on our asian friends and uh south asia in particular and how they're doing okay will do thank you very much appreciate it like share subscribe we'll talk to you tomorrow